0: I'm Hanif Baharuddin and this is GG Well Played, the show that talks about all things video games. We're going to do something slightly different today by talking about how gaming desktops, laptops and peripherals can be good for your work and productivity. But before that, here's the dynamic duo Ali Johan and Afnil Ting with a recap of some of the biggest news in the world of gaming.
1: Thank you, Hanif. So here's the news for the week. Nintendo has finally revealed the long rumored new model of its flagship console, the Nintendo Switch, featuring a new OLED screen that's larger at 7 inch, a slightly wider adjustable base stand, enhanced audio, 64GB of internal storage, and a wired LAN port in the dock. The console will be released on the 8th of October and will be priced at 350 USD.
2: While the upgrade feels substantive, it does not feature any other enhancements. Uh, It means that uh, the console is is not technically a pro model, Uh, it it doesn't offer a 4K TV output or improved performances with no uh, new chip or bigger capacity RAM. So this ensures a better performance for the console. The OLED screen will provide a better output but will still remain at 1280x720 resolution Same goes with the battery, which still uses the same updated model from 2019 at an estimated length of uh, 4.5 to 9 hours per charge. Uh, The model will come in two colours, the familiar red and blue colour combination, uh, which is akin to the original Switch, as well as a white version featuring white Joy-Cons and a matching white dock. And according to Nintendo, the new dock will be compatible with older Switch models, and for those of you who would like to get Just the new Switch dock with the LAN port separately, you can do so, but only via Nintendo's online store.
1: Yeah, this release has long been rumoured, but I think a lot of people were expecting a better spec model. And hence, while the new screen is pretty much welcomed, the general sentiment, especially among enthusiasts, is that they felt pretty underwhelmed. But regardless, this is an interesting proposition for potential Switch owners that are looking to get the console. Uh, Perhaps you can wait till October to get this updated version. Uh, We need to also understand that perhaps Nintendo is also facing the same problem a lot of tech companies are facing, and that is the chip storage.
2: Okay, up next, uh, Sony had their new state of play last Friday, and as they promised, no big announcements uh, featuring the likes of God of War Ragnarok or Horizon Forbidden West. But they did reveal some exciting details on some titles, including a new trailer for Deathloop. The game looks pretty cool and it's also pretty interesting to see Arcane Studios owned by Bethesda uh, which is now owned by Microsoft presenting a game that's meant to be a timed PlayStation exclusive on console at least and uh, and PC. Uh, The game will be released on the 14th of September.
1: Other than that we also got more details on Kojima's Death Stranding Director's Cut. Once there was an explosion
2: a bang which gave rise to life as we know it.
3: then came the next explosion an explosion that will be our
1: last. The director's cut will include improvements for the PS5 as well as new advanced combat mechanics, new story missions, a racing mood as well as new items. The game is available for pre-orders now and will be out on the 24th of September.
2: And apart from those two games, the 40-minute show also included announcements for games such as Lost Judgment, which is the Yakuza spin-off that's been getting a free upgrade for PS4 and Xbox One owners, uh, as well as games like Demon Slayer, Jet, The Far Shore and Fist uh, Forged in the Shadow Torch, uh, Hunters Arena, Legends, Tribes of Midgard and a few more games. There were quite a number of games there, uh, including some indie titles as well. So tangential to that, Sony also got into a bit of uh, controversy online recently as a bunch of indie developers came out to lambast the company for being extremely difficult to work with.
1: Hmm. Okay, moving on to our next piece of news. This uh, next bit of news is especially for fans of Assassin's Creed. Here's an item that might be of interest to you. Ubisoft has announced that the studio is going to take a more centralized approach to work on the franchise moving forward, as they announced that they are working on the next installment in the franchise codenamed Assassin's Creed Infinity. In its statement, the studio acknowledged the need to consistently innovate and as a result, they are planning to work towards a collaboration between the two major studios that have worked on the franchise before, Ubisoft Montreal and Ubisoft Quebec. While their statement did not indicate towards it, according to reports by Bloomberg, the game will reportedly be a live service that evolves over time.
2: Yeah, so this is a strategy that the company is looking to embark upon as they look to emulate the success of games like uh, GTA V. The statement, which also includes announcements of key personnel changing roles, uh, did not include deeper explanations or any confirmations of it. Uh, but based on reports, this is probably going to be a reality. We'll bring you more details when we have them. Lastly, we have more news on The Last of Us HBO TV series. Uh, one of the writers and producers, Craig Mazin, has confirmed that the series will have 10 episodes in its first season with five directors working across uh, those episodes.
1: They have figured out all the pairings for the episodes in terms of the directors of photography and individual episode directors. Some names that are reported to be involved in the project including Ali Abbasi, Kantemir Balagov, and Jasmina Zbanich. The game creator, Neil Druckmann, who is involved in the project as a writer and exclusive producer alongside Mazin, said that the series will stay pretty close to the game but will also deviate greatly because of the medium with drama between the characters said to be one area where uh, they will explore further
2: right and the show will star Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey as Joel and Ellie respectively with uh, Nico Parker Gabriel Luna and Merle Dandridge joining the cast to play Sarah Tommy and Marlene respectively uh, the production is going to start this month in Calgary Canada and will end in June next year And that's all we have for this week's recap, back to you Hanif. For gamers, investing in
0: gaming computers with high specifications is a given. Think hexa-core processors, 16 gigs of RAM at least, NVMe SSDs and of course the latest graphics card. Once you get that internal power in your machine sorted out, gaming peripherals are next. Gaming mice, keyboards and monitors are some popular items aimed at maximizing our experience and enjoyment of the games we play, whether casually or professionally. There are thousands of these products in the market, serving the supposedly niche market of consumers. But while the gaming moniker has given them the impression that they belong only to a certain community, our guest Najman Maliki is arguing that maybe they can be considered by people outside this vibrant group. You know, for work and productivity.
3: But why is he saying this? I'm actually looking at this from the point of view of the best bang that you can get from your buck, right? So, with that said, Hanif... If you look at the market nowadays, you, you've got, what, say, four thousand ringgit to buy a new quote-unquote office machine, right? So you want to get your best bang for your buck, you can go to any Lazada or Shopee or whatever you prefer online and look at the offers that they have out there for office machines. Around that price range, you are probably going to be quote-unquote duped into buying a machine that you probably don't need all the fancy features that they have and are going to be paying about the same amount of price versus uh, going for a gaming machine. So a gaming machine might, uh, would actually, <laughs> in my personal opinion, last you longer and go the extra mile for you. You'll have better everything on a gaming machine because of when you want a game, You don't, most people know this, right? You need a better specs and that better specs translates to better, obviously productivity as well in the office.
0: (laughs) Okay. I I guess you have to perhaps elaborate a bit on that because I think as much as on paper, it does make sense. I think some people perhaps argue that, yes, I would like to get my work done. I would like to have my productivity sorted out, but at the same time I don't necessarily, necessarily game. So, why should I be spending extra money for "quote unquote" a graphics card? You know, an, an item that I don't necessarily need for my work, uh, because I don't necessarily, perhaps, you know, do you know, intensive graphical works or whatnot. Wouldn't that add on to more cost? Should I? Shouldn't I be a bit more minimalistic with my setup? Perhaps if I don't necessarily do all these things.
3: Yeah, I agree. I I, I agree with you a hundred percent there. If you don't use a graphics card to game, then what's the point of a graphics card, right? Okay, that's one way of looking at it. But the other way of looking at it is uh, looking at the other... Quote unquote productivity features that you get from a an office laptop, right? So usually, if you get an office laptop that's around four thousand ringgit, you'll get this two in one device, right? That comes along with a with a, a stylus that you can use to write things on. So you see these fancy people in the ad like going to meetings just flipping up their uh, laptops uh, into half and then just start writing things on it. I personally have yet to see people doing that in our office. Yeah, provided we haven't been to the office in a while but uh, i think the 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 market has been trying to push for that for a long time now and you can see that it's not taking up the traction so you can argue that you get this fancy feature of using being able to use the stylus for this kind of machines and and it'll be also useless for you right whereas if you have a graphics card and that mind you for today's version of a graphics card say the rtx from nvidia you can do more than just game uh, you can offload some of the cpu load on the graphics card that's one and the second thing is that you can do fancier things like uh, noise cancellation and um, background removal and these are things that actually would be very helpful in in today's world where we do a lot of video calls a lot of um, voice calls on the computer and if you have these features built into your machines you're just going to be future proofing your machine a lot longer and again having a gaming machine because of the specs you're just going to allow your machine to just stretch your the lifespan of your machine as well because it's so quote-unquote decked out um, that it will actually last you a lot longer than a typical office machine and and people don't usually see this because it's not usually marketed in the usual marketing materials but i've spoken to countless people who have gaming systems that they can still use today 10 years down the roads just because the gaming system that they got is decked out for gaming purposes when they got it and i believe you're one of the people honey if you are still using a like 10 year old machine a gaming laptop yeah (laughs)
0: <laughs> well i mean yes to a certain extent I, I agree with you but then it's because perhaps maybe because i'm i'm you know i like to feature proof my stuff but at a price lah so you know that you're investing a bit more up front uh but at the same time you know that it's probably gonna last you a lot longer and i think that's the thing that sometimes people miss out on right when it comes to um, spending on their machines right uh, they have this assumption that because oh they do only x y and z they only do Uh, minimal tasks, it's better for them to settle for a machine that's perhaps mid-range or even lower range, right? Because the the assumption is that, you know, why spend more when I'm going to be using only or doing only certain tasks, right?
2: Mm.
3: Yeah, and I I think um, especially nowadays, that kind of argument can be rendered moot quite quickly just because you can clearly see that we are moving more and more into the digital sphere faster than I guess a lot more people are comfortable with. And nowadays I can see that a lot of people have to start doing more like image work, right? like graphical works, right? For example, uh, a typical person in the office would now have to learn how to do image editing uh, and sometimes even video editing. Uh, and this is because of the way we are moving in, in the direction of going digital. So you have to pick up skills on on how to be more social media savvy and stuff like that and your typical i have to say your typical mid-range to even low-range machines definitely can't cope with the software that are being used nowadays your photoshop would not cut it in a normal mid-range machine if you are uh, especially if you're spending around like four thousand ringgit or so Uh, and you want to get the, again, best bang for your buck, even a typical office machine can still struggle just because they don't have that extra power. Because the extra money that you're spending is going to the fancier peripherals that you probably are not going to use as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And I think... um... Because the thing is, we have a lot more choices these days, and right? I think a lot of people sometimes they tend to gravitate towards features that they think they might want to use, but they ended up not using, or features that they find, I guess, uh, more appealing. For example, uh, even even the question of portability, right? I think ultrabooks are becoming a lot more popular these days, but at the same time, ultrabooks are also pretty expensive these days, right? I think um, there are people who, who who will gravitate towards you know physical features like those things, right? But at the same time. I guess you have to be a bit more discerning when it comes to when it comes to specifications, perhaps, and even like, you know, the things that you think you might not necessarily need, especially specifications wise, can be beneficial in the long run, right? Maybe at at a price, last. Sometimes you have to sacrifice a bit on, you know, having the machine slightly be a bit thicker, but at the same time, if it lasts you longer, then why not, right?
3: Yeah, and I think if you look at this economically, right, um, the companies who are making these kind of laptops, right, say you take HP and Dell, who makes? both gaming and professional machines, right? Office for office work. Their target market for that price range is definitely going on two tangents. Um, The first tangent will be your, your office professionals, which they assume are working in a big, huge multinational corporates who have the money to buy these expensive machines around four thousand ringgit or so and then the other spectrum would be your younger adults right who's like in their early 20s or maybe in their late 20s but um, don't have that much money still but you still want a game so what you do what you can do then for a company is that you can actually make it less sexy uh, a bit heavier you know thicker here and there uh, not as like polished if you will as your professional machines but because of that you can actually pack more more juice into it at a cheaper price yeah so yeah I think it's it's just in my personal view a no-brainer
0: that was Najman Maliki putting his case on why non-gamers should consider investing in gaming machines for their work and productivity coming up we look at how gaming peripherals can benefit non-gamers stay tuned this is Gigi Well Played on BFM 89.9 BFM 89.9, you're listening to Gigi Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharuddin. We've been talking about gaming computers and how non-gamers should perhaps consider investing in them. While the benefits of high-spec machines might be a bit obvious, our guest, Najman Maliki, also argues that perhaps non-gamers can also benefit from using gaming peripherals. Let's, let's, let's move the conversation a bit to talking about, since you mentioned, you know, uh, gaming machines, right? Um, let's talk about the peripherals, you know? That's another market that's pretty big. Uh, these days, everything's sold uh, with the tech gaming uh, included in it. You know, gaming mouse, gaming keyboards and everything. Do you think that non-gamers will also be able to benefit from buying all these quote-unquote products that are usually catered for gamers? Like, would it benefit me if I use a gaming mouse and a gaming keyboard uh, in my, you know, daily work? Does it help in my productivity?
3: Yeah, so there's a lot of gaming peripherals if you want to look at this. So, but I'm just, I think uh, for the sake of this conversation, just focus on three uh, peripherals. So, like, let's look at like mouse, keyboard and your headset, right? So if I were to go with the mouse first, if you want to get a mouse for work in general, yeah, you, should defi- you, can, you can definitely get a 10 get mouse and that might work for you. Uh, but in terms of, again, lifespan and best bang for your buck and longevity and functionality, it's not going to, I mean, it's not, it's definitely not going to beat your gaming mouse. So one win for a gaming mouse that you can actually get is that it's got extra buttons and you can actually control the speed quite easily. So what what is this for in, in a gaming environment? Is usually when you play a game, you have your attacks, you have your skills and stuff. So you might want to do more than one click so some uh, most games nowadays have uh, the ability for you to bind a specific control to your additional buttons but most i don't know whether most people know this because they don't use a gaming mouse right but most people what most people don't know is that these buttons can also be used for productivity wise so your additional buttons on the side of a gaming mouse it can be used for to go backwards and forwards in in your browser which is a real nifty trick, especially if like you're going back and forth looking for that email. So this is definitely going to help, and just the ability to change the speed of your your cursor is so helpful in productivity work, like going through an Excel sheet, going through uh, a particular uh, file in your in your desktop. It's so easy for you to have the ability to go fast when you need to and go slow when you need to. Just, just talking about the mouse. So uh, again, the clicks, uh, this is another thing that we can actually segue into. Uh, the keyboards as well, the clicks that it is rated for in terms of gaming, just because in gaming you're expected to do a lot more clicks, right? The clicks that is rated for a typical gaming mouse is a lot more than your typical office mouse. Because you want to mash that button a lot more than, than you would on a typical mouse or keyboard. And I think that's a nice segue for me to go into your typical gaming keyboard where, you, where you'd get your mechanical keyboards, right? So a typical mechanical keyboard is rated at about 30 to 50 million clicks, if you will, or actuations per key. And that that is super useful if you want to extend the longevity of your, of your whole setup. If you have a, a, a keyboard that can last you... 25 years, why don't get that? Why don't you just get that? And usually, because it's a gaming peripheral, again, you want to maximize on the comfort level, right? So, maximizing on the comfort level for a keyboard allows you to then go into like the range of tactility that you want, the volume that you want for your keyboard, the speed of which that particular key is being registered in your machine. And these all Lo and behold, translates to better productivity as well. If you can easily type, say, hundred 120 words per minute on a gaming keyboard, I'd argue that that gaming keyboard is going to be a lot better than your mushy, typical desktop keyboard that you probably get 80 words per minute. And this, you can quote me on this if you want to get a gaming keyboard from your bosses. Lah. <laughs> So yeah, and uh, one other point that I wanted to cover as well would be the headsets. And nowadays, we communicate a lot on on Zoom and on Google Meet and your Microsoft Teams. Your audio that you're going to be heard throughout the day is one thing that you have to be concerned about, in my personal view. I've been in so many meetings where I just can't hear what the other person is saying because the mic is so bad. Mm. Right, so you're using your typical your earpods or your free 10 earphones that you buy from like convenience stores those microphones are not meant for great communication whereas gaming headsets have really really good microphones on it just because you again in gaming you want to communicate to your teammates real fast real quick and really clear so they usually will equip your headphones with a, a better microphone and When you're gaming, you're also gaming for a longer period of time versus your typical earphones or headphones that you're going to be using. So the cups on a gaming headset that sticks to your head around your ear is going to be a lot more comfortable than your typical earphones or your typical cheap headsets that you use for work. And... I can personally vouch for this. I've recently gotten myself a new pair of headphones, and it's really good. I can wear it for hours without actually feeling the 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 my my ear lobes getting hot, uh, as opposed to my previous cheap uh, office rated uh, headphones. And my microphone is so good that a colleague of mine have been asking what headset am I using because I sound so good. So yeah, I think. It's definitely worth the bang for your buck. And mind you, all the peripherals I've mentioned are available in quote-unquote professional versions. Um, So you can get a professional mouse from Logitech. You can get a professional keyboard, professional headsets from Logitech for office purposes. But it's going to be a lot more expensive than your typical gaming mouse, gaming headset, gaming keyboard. Just because they know, again, the target market is not uh, the typical average Joe, target Market, is the people uh, higher up in the corporate offices. So they have the money. So my suggestion here, going back to the initial gospel, gaming peripherals for all things, man.
0: <laughs> uh, I like that you ended with that because I think... One aspect that might turn people off when it comes to gaming peripherals at least is the fact that the items can look very gamer-ish, right? I think for people who would like to have a sleeker uh look to their their gadgets, they feel like macam when it comes to gaming products, gaming peripherals, it can be too gamer-ish. But at the same time, you don't want to be, you know, paying extra just just so that you can you can have a slicker looking mouse or a slicker looking keyboard, right? Uh, maybe you can you should bite the bullet and perhaps you know settle for the the gamer looking, you know, slightly sharp edges of that gaming mouse, but at the same time uh, have that productivity option, right? Uh, but I also like the fact that you admitted that yeah these products are pretty quote unquote costly compared to the usual items, but um the idea here is that um it's a form of investment, right? So Yes, I can get a 30 ringgit mouse, but, um, will it give me the same performance and the same longevity if I were to spend a bit more on, on a gaming mouse that's at least, you know, 100 ringgit? If you can get like a cheap gaming mouse for 100 ringgit as well, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Or below that, right? Right. So, yeah. so it's, it's a form of investment, right? When it comes to, I guess, buying all these gaming peripherals.
3: Yeah. I totally agree with, with that point I mean even even if you uh, I mean definitely like honey if you just wear up the look it's not going to be as look, professional looking but hey putting on a Pikachu headset that's a good icebreaker when you're talking to your clients right <laughs> and we have to also
0: acknowledge that at least when it comes to gaming peripherals, one gaming item that's pretty popular these days and uh, a bit more accessible to people is gaming chair. And yes. I think a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people are warming up to the idea of having a gaming chair, especially when it comes to this whole working from home thing. Um, Even I myself, I'm considering buying a gaming chair. So that's another item that I think has sort of like penetrated the mainstream market. A lot of people are opening up to the idea of getting a gaming chair because of the comfort that they give you as much as, you know, again, it's an upfront investment. You have to pay a bit more compared to your
3: usual chair. But um, yeah, the investment might be worth it, right? Yeah. And I would say even um, a gaming table as well. So we in BFM recently did a webinar about your postures and your um, the pains that you actually get from working in an office, even at home. And most of the time, actually, it's just because of the in agronomicness if that is a word of a particular peripheral right so you're 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 working from home you're you're probably sitting on your dining chair and you're probably using your typical table and these kind of tools that you have around the house are not meant for uh, a proper economic position whereas uh, a gaming desk a gaming chair These are all meant for you to sit for long hours. And even if you're looking at a gaming desk, you can actually raise the desk up to a point where it's comfortable for you or lower it down to the point where it's comfortable for you. So yeah, I would say it's a great investment and your body would thank you, actually. Yeah, so I think for people out there who don't necessarily game, You
0: shouldn't be turned off by the gaming tech that I think uh, people have put on a lot of products, right? Because I think they're not necessarily exclusive to gamers only, but they can also be beneficial to non-gamers, right? But at the same time, um, you also have to be, I guess, slightly more listening when it comes to these gaming products because I think not all gaming products are also beneficial, right? Because it, it is sometimes a marketing term, right? Even among gamers ourselves, like sometimes we can fall into the trap of, like, you know, being influenced or being uh, tempted to buy, like, a gaming RAM or, like, a gaming. <laughs> I don't know anything these days that has a gaming tag can sometimes be misused by, by distributors, product sellers out there as well, right?
3: Yeah. So I, I think i would actually say most of the time the gaming tech is going to be beneficial to you but yeah if you can if you have the time do read up a little bit on it uh, because they would definitely save you from the the uh, fake marketing like gaming ram hanif just mentioned as well yeah That was Najman Maliki sharing his thoughts on why non-gamers
0: should consider investing in gaming computers and peripherals. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, you can find the podcast on bfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play and also Spotify. Do share your thoughts about the show or the games that you play via our email ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at bfmradio. My name is Sanif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and stay safe. Till next time, GG Well Play.